hour number two of Sports Talk begins, and we head to the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline to say hello to Vince Ferrara as his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. To join us as Vince will for this hour of the program, 656-9900, 656-9900-STAR-990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number 1-866-656-9900. Thanks to Vince. We look forward to catching up with Brad Edwards of ESPN a little bit later in this hour. But, Vince, how are you? I'm good, guys. Yeah, uh, looking forward to the hour with you guys and looking forward to catching up with Brad Edwards. He's always uh, tremendous. and uh, so, uh, so, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun this hour. Uh, a lot going on. Tell me, were you able to catch up on watching paint dry instead of, of Jets Patriots last night? <laughs> well, you know me, John. I'm typically like feed up. I got nothing to do, so you know, <laughs> just lot. You know, like you said, just gazing into the sky, paint dry. Uh, it was. It actually outperformed expectations, which is sad considering the quality of that. I mean, we we really turned back the clock on the New England Patriots pre Belichick. You know, when they were where the Jets are at the bottom of the league. I mean, it just looked like to the bottom feeders in the NFL. It's just uh, come a long way, and, and the Jets doing everything they could to make sure that uh, you know Trevor Lawrence stays within their grasp. Yeah, still within reach, and it was so funny because they had built the lead. There were, uh, there were remarks of surprise as well as praise about Joe Flacco and the performance he was turning in for the Jets, and then all of a sudden they send 12 men out to line up against the field goal attempt for the Patriots. It was like, well, Jets going to Jet. And, uh, and yeah. from that point, the, uh, the number one pick in the draft, very much within reach for them, correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, people are starting to, to have the discussion is, you know, is Justin Field catching up with Trevor Lawrence? Has he, has he passed them? And um, Justin Fields has gotten better when I've seen him. It's still a small sample size this year. I'm I'm definitely not ready to put him ahead of, of Trevor Lawrence just yet. So uh, I don't know that that's coming, but um, you know, it, it to me it still is Trevor Lawrence, and that's the the number one pick. And um, I all all their other quarterbacks, there's more of them coming, but uh, that are rising. But uh, I still think there's a gap between Trevor Lawrence and everybody else. Well, plenty to talk about in regards to Tennessee football, uh, what's going on with Texas A&M, also around the Southeastern Conference. There's a lot of news that has really very little to do with football and more with games scheduled or rescheduled uh, than actual X's and O's. But before we get to that, Jimmy, I believe you had a question or two for Vince about the Sunday night game? Well, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And um, here's what I – Vince, what was the score at halftime? I don't remember. Uh, well, Jimmy, you have internet access. You can look that up. You don't need to rely on me. <laughs> I trust you it more was, than the internet. I've, I've okay, got it right I, here. It was, it was I, I have glitches was, in the internet. I don't have a glitch in your mind. It was 31 to nothing. <laughs> 31 to nothing? Yeah. Look, John, we, John, uh, we did. Yeah, exactly. John, uh, I, I have still questioned this mantle that the NFL has put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on. Um, since I guess was it the the win over the Packers? I think that's where people wanted to reserve the position opposite the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl in Tampa with the the Buccaneers. And I've still taken the whoa, let's hold our horses on that. 
obviously, Jimmy, the dismantling, the way it went down was shocking. But the fact that the Bucks are not what I think people want them to be just yet, and they're inconsistent, uh, that part of it is surprising. I, I Both teams made, made clear statements to me. The New Orleans Saints, it's obvious the statement they made that they should not be ridden off, that Drew Brees doesn't have this noodle arm that can't uh, <laughs> execute a pass beyond five yards. It's crazy the narratives you know people trot out there and everybody runs with and then that the the buccaneers are this unstoppable machine because tom brady is leading them i think i think the bruce arians comments afterwards basically saying that that mike evans was open a bunch in the game insinuating that the quarterback didn't didn't get him the ball and it's his fault when you know, he's he's kind of done that before, and I, I don't I don't want to you know make it seem like nobody should be criticized ever, but I, I wonder the way it, Brady it, like looks at that kind of stuff because nothing ever went through the media in New England. You know, Belichick wouldn't throw anybody under the bus, much less be specific and say, well, the quarterback's got to. You know, the quarterback missed on a bunch of open receivers or he played terrible. I mean, Belichick is a, would be a truth teller to, to his face, but to do it through the media, that's different. I, it, we also are seeing that, hey, a winning culture takes, takes some time to figure out. And the New Orleans Saints have a clear advantage from that standpoint of knowing how to win and handling situations, whether they're, it's adversity or success. That's as good a half as I've seen the Saints play. Uh, I, I can't 100%. remember the last time they were that sharp. But I do want to get yeah. to this. The SEC has announced yep. that the Tennessee A&M game has been postponed, so Ooh. they will not be playing. Alabama at LSU has been postponed. They are not going to play. The SEC just coming out with that announcement. So two more games postponed along with the uh, uh, Auburn and Mississippi State. Vince, that's, uh, that's three games this weekend the SEC will not be playing. Yeah, I hate to hear that. Uh, there are some reporters that were, were saying that it was trending in that direction. And th- this is clearly the worst week that the Southeastern Conference and you know maybe all of college football as a totality has had to deal with in, in terms of COVID, you know, with, with protocols and positive tests. I know some some other conferences and a lot of the the group of fives have had to make a lot of adjustments. But uh, when you have that many in one week for for the SEC, uh, it's concerning. And I wonder if the SEC will respond to to this with any more uh, frequent testing or more protocols, uh, enhanced protocols. I'm, I'm not sure, but. I think we're also starting to get with so many games now moved that we're probably, I think we're probably in the double digits in terms of total games this year that have, have been affected by COVID. And, you know, there, there's been talk that maybe the SEC would need to push back the conference championship game so they can have an extra week to schedule games that are getting impacted I mean, we're we're just past the mid- midway point uh so if this is if we're if it's getting worse 
And right now you're starting to obviously see the spikes. You see, yeah. may see more of this down the stretch. So I think it, I think that that could be an option. What do you think about that moving the the conference championship game and opening up another week? Well, what they they're not going to do that according. Well, here's what I don't know. I guess they could, but what I saw Sankey say was that if you're not in the championship game December the 19th, we're going to play other games as makeup games that week, weekend. So if uh, A&M and Tennessee are not playing for a conference championship game, they could play December the 19th. Now, then you got to work out things with the college football playoff group and all that and move those games back. The semifinals, as you know, scheduled for January the 1st. I believe they are in Pasadena and Atlanta. And then the national championship game is not Tampa. That's where the Super Bowl is. But uh, anyway, um, I, I don't know about them moving it. I guess that's a possibility. You could move it to Christmas weekend, and then all you, the playoff has to be moved back, the national championship game. It would be interesting to see how all that plays out. But I I don't know. It's it's something that uh, the SEC is going to have to address, Vince, and I, I'll be curious to see. The, the other thing I'm kind of curious about, John and I talked about this earlier, and, and Vince, since I trust you more than the Internet, Sam Pittman. Um, so he's already been ruled out of coaching for Arkansas against Florida. How come he can't get the same testing that Nick Saban got? So Saban could coach against Georgia. That's a good question, Jimmy. I I hadn't looked into it since I heard that Pittman had it. I hadn't looked into the specifics of it. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Saban kind of tested his way out of it. Um and I, I don't know the details on why that would be any different in this situation. Maybe maybe there is something that I'm not thinking of uh, off the top of my head. But yeah, Saban ne- you know, negatively tested his way out of it, which, by the way, in society, the rest of the public can't do that. Um, once <laughs> you, you can't you can't say, well, I'll, I'll retest and then uh, I'll just take three straight negative tests. They still go off of. The original one. It depends on the the type of testing. I'll say that yeah. uh, the ones that there's very few false positives, they go by the original one, uh, and you still have to quarantine. And and obviously the rules are a little bit different uh, in sports. So yeah, that's something. That's a good question. There is something to look into. Our guest Vince Ferrara. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. And Vince, I know that uh, you're very excited for the fact that you've been able to uh, to get to know and become very familiar with a company that's uh, done so much for so many. 100%. They've been doing it for 48 years in the area, a couple of locations in Maryville, and just the service and the versatility. I mean, whether it's personal projects or residential, they've got so much going on there. Tremendous people, and really proud that they're a part of our hour with you guys uh, and myself here on Sports Talk. Why don't we go to the phones and let's see who joins us first. Uh, that would Let's go to Jim. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Jim. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. You know, before I get to my question for Vince, uh, do you think this, I don't know if this would have anything to do with the difference between, <laughs> huh? What's that? <laughs> Saban <laughs> and, and Sam Pittman situation. Sam Pittman, this game of Florida is a road game and Saban could stay home. Do you think? that it gave Saban more time, he didn't have to travel. Do you think that would have anything to do with it? Well, that might be a fair point. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I, but... I, I mean, logistically, yeah, um, that could be a 
fair part of the consideration, or I should say conversation. I don't think he won as many championships. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Jimmy, you're not into Jimmy, you're not into conspiracy theories, are you? <laughs> no, I, I can't believe that slipped out. I, my stream of consciousness just blurted I'm shocked. out. Sorry. I'm shocked. Anyway, let me get to my, my question. And Jimmy, you've already answered this question. You answered it on John Pennington's show Sunday, but I thought it was an interesting question. The question was, what's been the bigger disappointment this year, Tennessee's offense or Tennessee's defense? And for me, it is offense. I just cannot believe that the offense has played like they have they have played. So I wanted to throw that out to, to Vince and, and you too, John, because you weren't on that show. Can you, can you guys take a shot at that question, bigger disappointment this year? It really is a, a it really is a great question, and the reason why it's a great question is because there are strong arguments that can be made for both sides of the ball. I mean, the the biggest strength of this team, the expectation for the biggest strength on the team, was the offensive line. Uh, you knew that they could still potentially not be improved at quarterback. Um, you know, the receiving core was young and you, know, you had pretty good running backs. And I don't know that the running backs have been disappointing. They could be better. But that old line, even if they ran the ball better in the first half against Arkansas, the expectations for what we thought they could and should be have far, far uh, fail to meet the, those standards. I mean, it honestly it has not even been close. And it, but the thing is, is that there are more positions that are disappointing on defense. Um, I, I still had questions about the D line and the pass rush. Uh, not all shared those concerns. I you know I thought because of the lack of star power and they were so unproven in in the pass rush and. Uh, that they, you know, maybe would be what they were last year, but maybe not be better to make the jump. So I think that group has been a disappointment. I think the linebackers in the number of missed tackles and the way they've been exploited, especially Crouch slash Banks, uh, where teams are picking on them to throw behind them when, they have, when they're in pass coverage. I think that position has been disappointing. I think the secondary has been disappointing in, in a lot of ways. Uh, not that the passing touchdowns are, are that much, but it, overall for a season, but because they continue to not have answers to the slant and the middle of the field. And then that's also Jeremy Pruitt's baby, which to me is a little bit of a tiebreaker in why I'll say the defense. Uh, they've got so many games under Jeremy Pruitt, maybe about a third of the games under Jeremy Pruitt, They've given up like 35 plus points. I don't have the number right in front of me, but when they lose and it's the blowout games, especially in the big games, they're giving up massive amounts of points. And um, I that that's to me that is very surprising coming off of last year that they weren't at least close to what they were last year. That they have dropped off so much. So that to me is a tiebreaker, and while why the answer is defense, but Certainly, there's great uh, points, I'm sure, for both sides of the ball. 
Yeah, I will go offense simply for the fact I think the, the defense's performance has been mitigated by how bad the offense has been. Um, I do agree with a lot of what Vince said in terms of their performance when all is said and done just hasn't been there, but I also think there's a mitigating circumstance that has gotten worse, especially in quarters three and four, because the offense can't stay on the field, and I think that is what uh, that taxes the defense as much, seemingly, as the opponent. Well, guys, I appreciate your thoughts. I think the saddest part uh, for all us Tennessee fans is that you you can make valid points on either side of the ball, and I don't think we saw that coming uh, this year. Guys, have a good afternoon. You as well. Um, But I'll say this, uh, because I had to double and triple check it, Tennessee's still receiving votes in the coaches' poll. What? Yeah, uh, according to the – And what sport? (laughs) <laughs> football the small print uh, ten, let's see you have arkansas and missouri receiving votes kentucky i think received 12 points and tennessee has six and they had six before they lost to arkansas and they have six after so i don't know if this is just uh, a tight core group that says you know what i just like what they have um, and it's a unique season, so I'm just going to write them in at number 25 or whatever. I, I don't know the circumstance, but Tennessee's still receiving votes. Uh, at least two um, SEC schools receiving votes. Or Let's see, what is Missouri's record? Are they 2-3 and three or 3-2? Three and two? I don't no, have that in front of me. 2-3. Yeah, so you have three teams yeah. with losing records that are receiving votes in the coaches' poll in the Southeastern I- Conference. I would be curious to know if those voters are not voting for teams that uh, have been shut down or not playing briefly or whatever. I'd, I'd be curious to know that. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, um, I think that's or, a great point. Or but, maybe haven't realized that they're all the Power Five school conferences and most of the group of five are playing now. So maybe they haven't adjusted to yes. to when we only had a couple, couple two-tree conferences playing overall. Yeah, Missouri two and three, Kentucky two and four, Tennessee two and four, all receiving votes in the uh, in the coaches' poll this week. All ridiculous. Well, and, and a handful, too, because, again, I mean, it's 18 points for Missouri, it's 12 for Kentucky, and six for Tennessee after the 24-point third quarter collapse in Fayetteville. So, anyhow, thought you would enjoy that. As Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment, and we head to the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline, Vince, for a very special guest. That's right. Friend of the show, friend of the station, and tremendous broadcaster and writer. Uh, His work on ESPN, ESPN Radio, hear him on the weekends during college football, and uh, ESPN.com, and as knowledgeable as it gets, on the college football playoffs and uh, could talk about anything going on with college football. Jay Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad Edwards from ESPN joins us on Sports Talk. Brad, you got Vince, John, and Jimmy, the whole trio today. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well on a big news day in the SEC. Unfortunately, a big news day. Yeah, just let's get your reaction and start right there. Uh, as many games as we've seen in a short period of time impacted by COVID uh, in the SEC, how big of a of an issue do you view this in in the in the big picture for the SEC and for college football? Well, it's obviously a big deal, and I'm trying to think of another conference at any point earlier this season that had one week that was. Uh, you know that I was going to use the word decimated, but but that technically means ten percent. It's far more than decimated at this point. The SEC schedule, and uh, 
supposedly the the Missouri game uh, with Georgia is still in doubt as well. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But I, I mean, I guess on the SEC front, the the good news would be if you're if you're looking for a silver lining is is that it appears that the uh, that the divisions have already been decided. Um, and you know, with with Alabama and Florida being very clear front runners at this point, um, if they're you know, if if we do end up having games canceled and, you know, they can't be made up and then teams end up playing an uneven number of games, at least it's unlikely it's going to present a scenario uh, where the legitimacy of the division champs, uh, it, you know, is in question. And, and, you know, you don't know if you have the right teams playing in the conference title game. But I, I think the biggest problem that the SEC could be facing right now is, you know, with with both uh, Florida and Alabama needing to make up a game against LSU, and only that one Saturday to do it, uh, unless they can get really creative here, they could end up in a situation where one of the SEC championship game participants is playing a game the week before and the other one is not. And I I know that that's not ideal. Nobody wants to see that happen. So uh, I think that's the big question now. How are they going to get around something like that where, you know, where where one team uh, basically, you know, gets an off week to prepare and the other one doesn't because it's not supposed to work out that way? Well, as you know, Brad, the it's it's never on equal footing when the committee, the playoff committee, has to evaluate teams and conferences. And this year, there'll be, as you know, there could very well be an even bigger differentiation in in how they're going to evaluate teams. Do you think the SEC is certainly committed to try to get all their games in, but the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that jumped in late they're starting with a smaller number and they don't have any wiggle room. Does the fact that there still could be some of those earlier conferences that committed to play that they might not still be able to get to their finish line. Does that keep those later joining conferences more in play potentially if those contenders stay intact? Yeah, I think that the big question right now when we when we look at the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is, you know, the, the teams that ultimately would come out of there as the conference champion, or, or actually it, in, in the case of the, Big, of the Big Ten, it may be more important, you know, do they have a second team? And is you know, how many games did that team play? Because right now, you know, Wisconsin's already lost two games. I mean, lost from the schedule, two games. And so if they do win out uh, to the Big Ten championship game, and, and let's say they lose to Ohio State, I think in in a lot of normal years, um, having only that one loss, considering who it's to, and it would be on a neutral field, then, okay, that sounds like a pretty good resume that might be able to get you in the playoff. But considering the few number of games they would have played, um, and and I would assume few quality wins as part of that, um, it would be a lot tougher to make the case. And I think the same thing is generally true for the Pac-12 when you're talking about the champion. I mean, ultimately – it's about the the committee picking the four best teams. And we could argue whether they actually do pick the four best or the four most deserving. But I think that the, the scenarios that have been presented by COVID, not just with the uneven number of games across these conferences, but I think more than that, the fact that there, there are no crossover games between the power five, there are no non-conference games where you can kind of connect dots and say, okay, based on, you know, these three or four games, we can reasonably conclude that the the Big Ten is better than the Pac-12 or something like that. Uh, you can't really do it this year. I mean, any attempt to do that is is completely based on, on preconceived notions 
um, from previous seasons. And so they don't want to go there. So my belief is, is that because of all that, the committee is going to be having to use the eye test more than the resume uh, compared to previous years. And, and so it really is how good do you look on the field in however many games you're able to play and are you able to do enough in those games to convince the selection committee that you're one of the four best teams? And that's, that's ultimately um, what we're looking at. Brad, uh, I did want to ask you this. Uh, as far as the college football playoff, do you think that teams need to play a minimum number of games? You could have a team playing eight or nine, maybe even ten games, somebody else playing four or five. How do you see that? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I think in an ideal situation you would be able to say that. But given what we're looking at this year and, and given that, you know, that, that fans want to see the four best teams in there, you know, I, I would hate, for example, let's just let's just say that instead of Wisconsin, it had been Ohio State that had that had, had two games removed from the schedule. Um, I would hate to see Ohio State get left out of the playoff uh, because they just didn't have enough games in the eyes of the committee, and be replaced with a team that we knew wasn't as good as them, and and the ultimate result was likely to be a very lopsided game um, for everyone to watch in a semifinal. You know, we, we've seen enough of those over the years, and, and I don't want to see any more of them. So I, I think in cases where it's pretty clear who the best teams are, I just want to see those teams in, no, no matter how many games they've been able to play. Um, if it comes down to the fourth spot, and it's, it's a really difficult choice, and you're, you know, looking at, at all sorts of variables and, and trying to uh, find something to separate them, at that stage, I wouldn't have a problem with, okay, this team played three more games than that one. So, you know, sorry, but this is the way that, that we have to, to break the tie. I, I'm good with that. But um, I, just, I just want the best teams playing, so hopefully we can get some games that are worth watching. Brad, uh, Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence, but uh, and it wasn't in the college football playoff. Notre Dame, though, gets a huge win, ends the Tigers' regular season winning streak. What do you think it means to Notre Dame to have accomplished something like that against one of college football's elite? Uh, I think you saw the answer to that when the game ended and the the fans (laughs) and the students stormed the field. You know, you don't normally expect to see that from a program like Notre Dame. Um, But I had done some work last week on their struggles, not just against number one teams. And You've probably heard all week, they hadn't beaten a number one team since Florida State in 1993. Um, They they had actually lost 19 of their last 20 games against top five teams. And when you have a program with that type of of history and tradition uh, that has been struggling on that level against the best teams in the sport, they're, they're obviously hungry. And it didn't matter to them that, Clemson was missing its starting quarterback and a few guys on defense to start the game. And then they lost a few more guys on defense during the game. And so that was a pretty depleted Clemson team by the time it was all said and done, but it didn't matter to the, uh, to the Notre Dame people. And it shouldn't, that was a huge win for them and one that they really needed. Uh, I don't know how much it's going to matter to the selection committee. I mean, it's easy to say that the committee is going to consider who was out because they will, but ultimately, I don't think it really makes a difference whether Clemson lost that game at half strength or full strength or whatever you want to call it. Um, the bottom line is that Clemson can't lose again. And, and if they don't, they're going to be in the playoff. If they do, then they're probably out. And uh, I, I think that that was always the reality of it, no matter whether Trevor Lawrence played or not. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I think if nothing else, um, what it's done for the rest of the sport is it's created a, a very realistic scenario where the ACC – 
if Clemson beats Notre Dame, an undefeated Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, uh, the ACC is going to have two strong candidates to get into the playoff. I'm not saying for sure that they would both get in, uh, but that's something that we definitely didn't see coming before the season. And uh, it was quite a blow, actually, to you know BYU and Cincinnati um, because that was what they didn't need. They didn't need any of the power conferences to have two strong candidates. And at this point, they, they've either got to hope that Notre Dame wins the, uh, the rematch and knocks Clemson out of it, or that Notre Dame stumbles between now and the conference title game. Maybe they, they have to go to North Carolina, which is a losable game. So um, it was shaping up like it could be a year where a uh, excuse me a non-power five team might have as good of a chance as they've ever had of getting in the playoff. Um, but that result last Saturday night in South Bend was something that they didn't need. Brad, the first rankings come out, I guess, in a couple of weeks. What's your best guess as to what maybe the top six might look like in terms of rankings? Ooh, I hadn't even thought that deep. I was uh, – <laughs> we'll kind of talk through it. I mean, I, I – you know, I, I, there's been so many times in the past where we just kind of look at a group of undefeated teams up top and you're like, okay, just based on schedule strength alone, the SEC team – has to be the number one. And I, I think given this year and how many more games the SEC has played in conference than, than the others, that that would make sense. Um, I, I would think that unless Alabama has a close game between now and then, that uh, Alabama would be the one. Um, where, where it gets interesting is, does the committee place more importance on uh, how good you look or who you've beaten? Because with, with Penn State having – lost again last weekend. I mean, Ohio State's not really going to have a win uh, that that you can be overly impressed by, although I think they do get to play Indiana uh, before the, the rankings come out, so that would be a, a good win. Um, you know, or is it going to be Notre Dame, who by beating Clemson would have the, the best win in all of college football? Um, so uh, interesting to see which way they go there, but regardless of the order of the top six in the first rankings, I, I think that the big thing for this year is going to be the seeding. We remember last year how it looked like there were three teams going into the playoff that were a level above everyone else, and then someone was going to catch the break by being the one seed and getting to play Oklahoma, and obviously LSU got that break. This one's going to be a little bit more complicated because you would assume that Clemson at full strength would be the third-best team. Will Clemson beat Notre Dame and then take that three seed? If they do then I think we're kind of right back to where we thought we would be if Clemson had gone undefeated, which is that Clemson and someone else will, will play each other in a semifinal, and then the one seed is going to get a, a weaker team. And so right now I think um, that's kind of what Alabama and Ohio State are playing for the rest of the way, is, is not just to win out, but to dominate as much as they can so that they get the one seed and they don't have to play Clemson in a semi. Is there a scenario that maybe you've thought out that could be make things really, really complicated? I know those don't always work out, but it's kind of fun to think about, you know, the the all of the you know the <laughs> the mass hysteria that could happen. Is there one that you you've thought out that can oh, really there, make things dangerous? There's always one that's like with yeah. <laughs> With <laughs> with this much time left in the season, there's always one. Uh, right. What I would what I would point to would be this, um, and, and you can add layers onto the end of it if you want, such as you know Cincinnati and BYU both go undefeated. The Pac-12 has an undefeated champ, but but to me, 
the starting point is that you have Clemson beat Notre Dame in the rematch in the ACC championship game, and so they both finish with one loss. Then you have Florida, undefe- sorry, Florida with one loss beat an undefeated Alabama in the SEC championship game. They both have one loss. Then you have an undefeated Wisconsin beat an undefeated Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. So for undefeated teams, you've just got Wisconsin at the end, if, I, if all my math is correct. And then, and then theoretically, you could add a one-loss Texas A&M to that. that you know, they, could still, they could still run the table without messing up any of the other stuff. And so, I mean, I, what do you do with all those one-loss teams as far as deciding who gets the final spot? I'm, and, and, and you've got an undefeated you know, Pac-12 team. Uh, that would be in that mix as well. I mean, in, in addition to Wisconsin, but um, that good luck with that one. That, that I mean, that, that if you're looking for a nightmare for the committee to have to deal with, I think that would be it. Brett, is there any chance conference championship games could be moved back one week, or do you think that's out of the out of the question? I think it depends on whether the the playoff folks are willing to move the playoff date. Because if they're going to stand firm at New Year's Day for the semifinals, and, and I, I think what complicates it is that the Rose Bowl is one of them. I think the Sugar Bowl would more likely be flexible to move. But uh, the Rose Bowl, you know, I mean, look, I, it, it, it's a weird year, and they, they, might, they might actually be willing to do it, they, they being the Rose Bowl, considering that it, it certainly looks like there wouldn't be any fans allowed in attendance anyway. Given given everything going on in California right now, um, and and if there's not going to you know if it's going to be in in front of an empty stadium, then why wouldn't they? I mean, there's no Rose Bowl parade that's already been called off. But I think right. that's the key. If, if if they're willing to to move the semifinal date uh, uh, back from January one, then I think the conferences you know would would have an opportunity to to move that. But you know, I mean, if you push it back one Saturday. I think you're talking about December 26th, the day after Christmas. I mean, right. I, I realize I realize the teams that are contending for the playoff are probably not going to be home for Christmas anyway. Um, but man, that that's I don't know. Just, I mean, the whole thing obviously feels weird. That you know, <laughs> if you've lived through enough college football seasons, you know, you can you you can come up with a hundred reasons that this one is is strange. But uh, that would be uh, that would be another layer to it for sure. Well, Brad, really appreciate it. Awesome to talk to you. Tell people where they can listen to you. I know you're on ESPN Radio on the weekends. Just tell people where yeah. they can find you here upcoming. Yeah, so uh, normally I would be on the on the radio for most of the day on Saturday, on college game day on ESPN Radio, but uh, that mm-hmm. show is uh, not on the air this season. And so I'm just, along with uh, Trevor Maddich, uh, popping uh, on and off uh, the, the studio shows for ESPN radio throughout the day on Saturday. So um, if, if you're listening to ESPN radio and there's not a game going on, then uh, chances are at some point within the next hour. Or so I'll be on there talking about whatever's happening in college football. And this Saturday there, there won't be a lot of sec to talk about. All right. Great stuff. Great to talk to you at J Brad Edwards on Twitter. Give him a follow. Brad, thanks so much. We'll talk to you hopefully again real soon. Okay, thank you guys. Take care. Thanks, All right, man. Be safe. That is uh, Brad Edwards from ESPN. Always quality visit with us. As Vince joins us, his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. And Vince, so much going on, but what can we look forward to on In the Cage Thursday at 8 o'clock after Coach to Coach? 
Yeah, we're going to look back on last weekend's UFC event in Vegas and look ahead to this weekend's UFC event. They keep turning them out, and we'll have an interview in the second segment. And we're still looking, uh, we're still finalizing. And Tim Law and I will break down uh, what happened at the uh, Cotton Eye Joe in uh, in our most recent Valor Fighting uh, Championships event, which was uh, just uh, an unbelievable atmosphere. They said maybe the best they've ever had with regional MMA in Knoxville. So we'll talk about all that and uh, the rest of the calendar in 2020. Uh, all that 8 to 9 in, on In the Cage MMA Radio here on the Sports Channel. And then, of course, we get to round two of the TSSAA playoffs. Uh, you called Central and Morristown East last week. What have you got this week? Yeah, Walker Valley, who beats Powell and uh, broke up the possibility of uh, another Powell West Second round matchup. So we got Walker Valley at West, and uh, as we've seen West, and they're you know obviously uh, as good a, of a state championship contender as there is in the area, especially in 5A. So that will be a lot of fun. Coach Mahoney just chomping at the bit, probably already broken down hours and hours of tape like he does every week. I mean, he's just, he's enjoy he enjoys it so much and loves promoting the kids and and the programs in this area really believes in them. And as a former coach, he knows the quality of coaches and, and programs we've got in the area and how blessed we are. So uh, I have so much fun with him, and he just loves doing it. So hopefully that comes across on the air with us having a blast. So we'll, we'll have that game uh, in uh, on AM 990 on Friday. Should be fun. Hey, Vince, we always appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of the week. You as well. That's Vince Ferrara. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline.